This is Troy Wagner. This is Eric Miller. We are Ravers for Recovery. Recovery. And if you're listening to this, so are you. you. How was your day? How was your week? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us by email, info at raversforrecovery.org. And go ahead and connect with others in recovery by joining our Facebook page. And always stay up to date with the latest news by visiting our website, www.raversforrecovery.org. And now, join us for this week's podcast. This is Troy Wagner, and on today's episode, I would just like to share with all of you all the journey of my life. I have been grateful to have had a lot of people share their stories on the podcast so far. Anxious to hear a lot more of the stories of those individuals seeking this new way of life. Um, A few months ago, while I was in outpatient here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I did have an assignment of writing out my bio. So it is pretty long, but if you'd like to hear it, this is it. So I'll go ahead and start reading it. The story of my life begins just north of Dallas, Texas, in a small town named Allen. I grew up with my brother and sister in a very loving two-parent household and spent my childhood days the same way most children born in the 1980s would. Going to school, going to summer camp with my church youth group, playing Nintendo, watching TV shows such as Home Home Improvement, Saved by the Bell, Simpsons, etc. Uh, Playing Little League Baseball, going to Friday Night Football games. My family and I would also go on summer vacations to Colorado, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Las Vegas, Nevada. My brother and sister were living in Las Vegas at this time, so it was nice to be able to visit them during the... I graduated high school in May of 1999, and in August, I left home for the first time to go off to junior college at a private Methodist college named Lon Morris. Although this college was located deep in the pine woods of East Texas, I was blessed with the opportunity to become good friends with students from all over the world. Mexico, Ecuador, Tunisia, Mozambique, China, Congo, Australia, just to name a few. Since my freshman year at Lon Morris was the first time that I was away from home, It was also the first time that I had sex, drank, and experimented with illegal substances. Yes, most of us were under the legal drinking age of 21, and yes, the county in which our college was in was a dry county, meaning no alcohol was sold in that county. But if we were all going to get together for a party, we were definitely going to find a way to get alcohol, no matter what. At some of the parties, I would even purchase marijuana from other students living in our dorm. Although I had a good group of friends, I really wanted an intimate relationship. So I created an online profile on America Online and met someone who would become one of my biggest regrets. 
She said that she was 23, unmarried, and had no kids. Later, I found out that she was really 28, had two kids, and was married. Her husband left a lot to work away from home. Later, I actually met her husband, and he told me that he knew what had happened, but to not be afraid because he knew it was not my fault. He knew that she had lied to me, and that she had done that before, and that they were going to get a divorce. I still wanted absolutely nothing to do with her and actually had a difficult time getting away from her. I believe I even had to get a restraining order against her. It was a very, very scary time in my life. Uh, Once some time had passed, I went back to only hanging out with friends who were actually enrolled at the college that I was going to, Lon Morris. I was a theater major, and a lot of the people in the theater department smoked weed, so it was usually at all of our theater parties. During spring break, we all went down to South Padre Island, Texas, and this was my first experience with the MTV and Girls Gone Wild style spring break. The entire island was a party highlighted by concerts from Ludacris, Fat Joe, Two Live Crew, and more. I absolutely fell in love with the party vibe and remember one of my favorite times as being the night which I first used ecstasy. It was like pure euphoria, utopia. Um, I remember the sunrise over the palm trees and the ocean accompanied by a feeling of total euphoria. One of the crazy things that happened also on that night was I was staring at a shirt that had some boats on it inside of our condo one of my friends walked up to me and asked what i was doing i said i was watching the boat races of course so i was whacked i was i was i was insane out of control um shortly before i graduated from lon morris college i was feeling lonely and was wanting another intimate relationship so i went back to where of course america online and i met a girl named nicole She was still in high school and lived just north of Dallas. When I went home on Christmas break, I drove to meet her and immediately became infatuated with her. We began our relationship and the long distance killed us. Well, we were actually only three hours apart, but it did seem like further than that since we were only able to see each other on the weekends. After graduating from Lon Morris with my Associate of Arts degree, I enrolled at the University of North Texas. Nicole and I loved the fact that we could now see each other almost every day. I even purchased a ring for her and put our engagement in the newspaper. Over time, our relationship grew weaker, and there was even a time where one of her guy friends was in town She asked me to drop her off to hang out with him, which I was dumb enough to do. Uh, To this day, I'm not 100% sure if they were anything more than friends or not, but chances are that there was more to their relationship than their friendship. I do not remember the exact reason why we broke off our engagement, but I know that it was not a healthy breakup, and I know that it led to an empty feeling inside of me. At the same time, I began to miss my friends that I had gone to school with the previous two years. A few of my friends from Lon Morris were going to college up in the Dallas area, 
and we would meet up to go to bars in Dallas, Lower Greenville area, Deep Ellum, and also in Fort Worth, and the other university areas around the DFW Metroplex. I still really wanted that female companionship though, so what did I do? I went back online to America Online to start seeking it out. I met several female companions online, but with nothing more than one night stands. I did, however, meet one female friend, Caressa, who had also just ended their relationship. Uh, she loved to party and so did I, so every weekend we started going out to a nightclub named Lizard Lounge. I still remember the exact location and even the radio commercial on 106.1 KISS FM. So uh, it was at 2424 Swiss and Good Latimer in Dallas, Texas. Caressa bought me ecstasy every time that we went out together, which I absolutely loved, since that meant that I could party all night for free. We would dance all night on ecstasy and would party the night away with our friends. The music at Lizard Lounge was off the hook and included DJs such as Donald Glaude, Bad Boy Bill, and DJ Irene. After Lizard Lounge, we would regularly go on to the after-hours parties located in abandoned warehouses in downtown Dallas. We would also sometimes have to meet the party organizer at the map point to get directions to the party location since these were illegal parties. During this time of my life, I was partying more and more and unfortunately my love for ecstasy was growing more and more. Also loved house music and late night after hours. I even started watching a TV show named The Club, which starred Paul Oakenfold and was filmed at Ice Nightclub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Although there was a time while I was enrolled at the University of North Texas that I was on academic probation, I did finally graduate uh, with my bachelor's degree in theater arts. During my senior year at UNT, my parents had moved to Laughlin, Nevada. Laughlin is a small retirement town 90 miles south of Las Vegas. Shortly after I graduated in December of 2005, my aunt, who had also been living in Dallas, Texas, moved up to Cheyenne, Wyoming to be close to family. Even though I had just graduated with my bachelor's degree, I still wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with my life, so I moved to be closer, with, to, well actually to be with my parents in Laughlin, Nevada. I started working in the marketing department of the Edgewater Hotel and Casino as a marketing clerk, only making eight bucks an hour, so that was my job directly after graduating college, making $8 an hour. <clears throat> um, Laughlin was also much too small of a town for me, and I really did miss the city life, especially the party aspect of the city life. For example, the name of the club in Laughlin was The Loser's Lounge. It was actually called The Loser's Lounge. Um, I would still always watch my favorite TV show named The Club, and had my hopes on moving to Las Vegas and working for Ice Nightclub somehow. I did not really care what I did. I just wanted to be there and not miss my opportunity to be part of the action. 
In June of 2006, I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada for the first time and fell in love with the Vegas party scene. I landed a job at the club that I really wanted to, Ice Nightclub. I was a street promoter and partied hard every Friday and Saturday night, unfortunately taking ecstasy. Um, It got me out of my shell though, and I did meet a lot of people that way. A typical Friday, Saturday night looked like this. 10 p.m., Ice Nightclub and one Ecstasy tab. 2 a.m., Empire Ballroom After Hours or Dre's After Hours and the second tab of Ecstasy. 5 a.m., Seamless After Hours. 10 a.m., either at a house party or home. I know a lot of people did continue on to go to the club called Rehab, the pool party at the Hard Rock. I don't think I ever made it out to that, though. Um, In Vegas... I made many friendships with people who used drugs and also with people who did not use drugs. I became friends with uh, Drew and Robert who lived in Las Vegas and with also my friends Carlos and Evelyn from Los Angeles. Carlos and Evelyn even paid one time for Robert and I to travel out to Hollywood weekend and go to the clubs there. I remember going to, I believe it was Sunday on on Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, yeah, I actually say it was the last weekend for the After Hours Club Sunday to be in Los Angeles. I think the weekend after we went and moved up to San Francisco. All of my money ran out six months later. And I had to move back to Laughlin, Nevada around December 2007. <clears throat> Started working as a waiter at Sawgrass Steakhouse. I was doing good recovering from the previous six months of partying and was even saving money. However, I was lonely again. So I made a profile on what? America Online and began seeking out female companionship again. A few weeks later, I met a girl named Amy. I actually challenged her to being able to handle staying up partying all night. She said challenge accepted and that she was up for it. I would later find out what she really meant by being up for it. Um, I'll get into that devil later. But I spent the next several weeks working during the week and driving into Las Vegas on the weekends to meet up with Amy and other friends. Amy and I would get a room at Motel 6 across from the MGM Grand and party most of the weekend at various nightclubs, strip clubs, and after-hours clubs such as Studio 54, Seamless, Empire Ballroom After Hours, Pure, Voodoo Lounge, and more. If we were not on ecstasy, dancing at a club, we were at the motel room, which was filled with marijuana smoke, smoke from another drug, which Amy had introduced me to. Unfortunately, the devil drug, methamphetamine. Um, But at that time, I didn't know any better. I loved the way which meth made me feel. And this new drug also allowed me to stay up all weekend, which meant more time with Amy and, of course, more time to party. Um, After we had been seeing each other a while, I wondered why we never went to her place and questioned her. Where exactly is it that you're living during the week? She told me that she was living with a friend. Well, that friend actually turned out to be her ex-boyfriend, Eric. That led to one of the times that I tried to end our relationship, but she sweared to me 
that their relationship was over and that she had absolutely no feelings for him whatsoever. I don't know why I could not break off our relationship. Um, I don't know if it was the addiction to her, the addiction to this new drug, to the lifestyle, or actually to the combination of all of the guilty pleasures, you know. Um, I did try to break it off, though. I did a few times, but I just could not do it. Um, as more time went by, our feelings for each other grew more and more. I eventually could not handle being away from Amy any longer, and so I moved into my friend Robert's one-bedroom apartment. This was right behind the Palms in Las Vegas. I think uh, Arville and Flamingo. At this time, I also gave Amy an ultimatum. Either to move out of where she was staying and into Robert's apartment with us, or that she would have to stop... Or that we would have to stop seeing each other altogether. She decided to move into Robert's apartment with us. And so we kept on partying. I remember nights when I would even be able... Or I remember nights when I would even be running inside the clubs with her introducing her to people and telling them that we were going to be getting married. Um, At this time, the supposed ex-boyfriend found out about the relationship between her and I. And this actually led to a little time of my life named Drama City. Well, the first Drama City I guess I had in my life. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of drama during this time. Arguments between her so-called ex-boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever, Eric and her. Arguments between her and I. Somehow Eric even found out my telephone number. And so there were arguments between him and I. He even found out that my parents lived in Laughlin, Nevada. And mailed them a letter saying that I had Amy using ecstasy and methamphetamines. And he was concerned about her and that he was going to call the police if it did not stop. Truth is that he had been smoking meth with her and when she met me, she introduced it to me. Uh, Looking back, this is one of the worst, absolutely worst times of my life. However, back then, we just partied more and more, losing ourselves, you know, in the drugs and the endless drug-induced nights. It's crazy how that drug can warp your mind so much where something so horrible can be going on, but the feeling that it gives you makes you not even give a damn, makes you not care. Um... But yeah, eventually Eric moved to Wisconsin where his parents lived and over time eventually left us alone. (laughs) God, that was a horrible, horrible time just thinking about it. Uh, Looking back, I really do feel sorry for him, you know. Uh, One thing that I remember Eric saying is that since Amy did that to him, that I should worry about her doing that same exact thing to me, which later, of course, she did. Um, months later, when things were back to normal, meaning when Eric was out of the picture, Robert had some friends who were moving down to Vegas from Oregon. All of us went in together on a three-bedroom apartment, and Amy and I had the master bedroom, which was awesome. Amy was still working, and I landed a summer job at Tao Beach. This, of course, was the new pool, which was opening up at the Venetian in the summer of 2009. So now this 
led to one of the most memorable summers of my life. With being employed at Tao Beach as a cabana attendant, we gained free entry and we even got free drinks into nightclubs and pool parties all over Las Vegas and my network of Vegas industry people grew even more. Amy, Robert, and I even drove out to California that summer. We stayed with one of my friends, Deanna, who I had worked with at Saltgrass Steakhouse. We went to the beach, visited Santa Monica Pier, Hollywood, and this was the first year in which we attended this massive rave named Electric Daisy Carnival. At this rave, we of course took ecstasy, but did not really enjoy the role, and that was most likely because it was an unfamiliar setting, but also because Amy and I lost Robert in the crowd and spent most of the time trying to find him. The best thing which I remember from this time at Electric Days of Carnival was that we all met a girl whose name, whose rave name was Skittles. And she gave each of us rave candy. You know, if you're not familiar with rave candy, rave candy are the bracelets made out of pony beads, which are colorful and usually have some type of saying on them. After that summer, Robert moved to Houston, Texas to be close to his brother and his dad. The other two people whom we were living with, Billy and Matt, moved out of Vegas, and so Amy and I found an apartment of our own. Since it was going to be more expensive living on our own, I started applying for jobs and landed a job as a customer service representative at Citibank, close to the apartment which we were living at. Everything was going great for a few months, and then Amy and I started going out to the nightclubs again, especially Perfecto Saturdays at Rain Nightclub inside the Palms, Las Vegas. If you remember, this is the hotel where Real World Las Vegas was filmed. Amy and I also began hanging out a lot with her friends Cheryl and G. We would go out to nightclubs with them, and most of the time just kick it at either our apartment or their apartment playing video games, darts, drinking, and of course, unfortunately smoking meth still. Um, as the using increased, I would call into work sick, using up my paid time off, and then begin receiving write-ups for either being later to work or for simply not going in at all. Desperately needing money and knowing that I was going to be fired, I made a list of 10 or more payday loan places. I actually forgot about this part. Um, I actually made a list of 10 or more payday loan places to get money from which I never paid back. Needless to say, I was eventually fired from what could have been a career at Citibank. During the time that I was at Citibank, I had also been racking up traffic tickets. Jesus. It's crazy that, um, sorry, I have to pause here real fast and say that it's crazy that the way our minds work and makes us miss the good feelings and makes us forget about all the bad things that actually happened while we were using, while we were addicts. Damn. Uh, I'll get back into it and say that I knew that I had received the traffic tickets, 
but I also knew that I had hired a lawyer to reduce them all to parking tickets, and that was the end of them. Wasn't it? Unfortunately, for some reason, I thought that paying the lawyer to reduce them to parking tickets meant that they were taken care of completely. Then one night, while I was driving back from purchasing meth from our dealer, I was pulled over for a warrant due to unpaid traffic tickets. Um, and this started my relationship with the Las Vegas Metro Police Department. The officer found the meth and I was taken to jail. Luckily, my cousin's, hus- my cousin's husband owned a company named Dad's Bell Bonds. It was a bond company in Las Vegas. I was out of jail a week later and only received a gross misdemeanor. When I walked out the jail doors, my girlfriend Amy was there to meet me and we immediately went to our dealer. I knew that I had to start making money, but how? I was fired from Citibank and used up all the payday loan places. Maybe I could file for unemployment, so I did that. And somehow I actually was approved to receive $350 a week. This definitely allowed a cushion and some time to figure out what I could do to make some money. I knew that I loved Vegas nightlife. I knew that I had several contacts in the Vegas nightlife scene. And while Amy and I were out one night, I even saw a group paying my friend Sean to be walked into a nightclub. So I simply thought to myself, if he can do that, why shouldn't I be able to do the same thing? One night, I went down to the strip outside a club and started speaking to a group and they said they would tip me if I could get them past the crowd, past the velvet rope, and into the club, which I could do. So it worked and doing that opened up a simple way for me to make some money. I then began to think of how I could get the groups before they even get to Las Vegas. Because if you've ever worked in the Las Vegas nightlife industry, you know how cutthroat it is and how difficult it is, how many promoters there are. Um, So I knew I had to get these groups even before they got to Las Vegas. I started posting ads on Craigslist. Potential clients began contacting me. So I took it a step further and even taught myself how to build a nightlife business which I named Nocturnal Vegas VIP. I also taught myself a lot while building Nocturnal Vegas VIP including, you know, just basic business things like how to choose a company name, logo, company colors, what a website domain was, how to build a website, um, how to do a newsletter, how to design ads and flyers, design business cards, book clients, host clients, and everything like that. I really loved it. I loved working for myself, you know. Um, at the time, I thought that the best part about this was that I was able to be my own boss, work when I wanted to, was able to go party every night, and could be high and drink at the same time. What I was forgetting about was my relationship with Amy. The only thing that I wanted to do was work, and I ended up pushing her away more and more. I would even get irritated at her when she tried to speak to me because I wanted to concentrate on working and only on working. This drove her to look for alternate options. She began hanging out with a guy who she claimed was her friend's younger brother, Segundo. 
for a while. She would come home during the day and then on my way to the strip I would drop her off over at Segundos and then pick her up the next morning or sometimes even a day or two later. This began to be a huge stress to our relationship and at the same time I began to get behind on bills. We lost the apartment which we were living in. Uh, her and I were losing touch. Everything was going downhill. My friend Jason was able to find a place for us to move into, which was located in downtown Las Vegas. Not the safest of locations, but the landlords did not care about our rental history, so we took what we could get. I told Amy that I wanted her to start uh, being at home again, and at the same time, she told me that Segundo's so-called sister was moving away from Las Vegas and Segundo had nowhere to live. Since I do have a big heart, I told her that he could live with us, not even actually thinking about what their relationship actually was. This was one of the biggest mistakes of my life because it put stress on all of us. We did have some good times, all using together, playing video games and playing with our puppies. But there are also many horrible occurrences. One such time I came at Segundo with a knife. Uh, luckily, Amy got in the middle of us. During the time that Segundo was living with us, we would always get our drugs from his friend Chava. They also sold weed to our neighbors. Segundo even fronted one of the neighbors named Rich. $50 worth of weed one time, which was supposed to be paid to Segundo within a few weeks. Months went by. And Rich had still not paid the $50 to Segundo. So one day when Segundo went over to Rich's place to try and get the $50, they ended up getting into an argument. Segundo told Rich that he would be back with some homies. Segundo then came home to ask me for a ride, so I gave him one, thinking it was one of the normal rides which I could give to him. We went to pick up his friend Chava, and then they asked if I could stop near Rich's place so they could run inside and collect the money which he owed them. I was half awake since I only had two hours sleep from the night before, so I was like, sure, why not? I had no idea the magnitude of what was about to occur. I parked two blocks away from where Rich lived and stayed in the car listening to music. Segundo and Chava got out of the car went to collect the $50. About a half hour passed, and the next thing that I knew, Segundo and Chava were jumping back into the car, saying that we needed to leave in a hurry and drop off Chava at home. So I said okay. On the way to dropping off Chava, they told me that Chava had a gun on him, and that he had accidentally shot Rich. Me being in a daze, just dropped him off and returned home with Segundo. I went to go back to bed. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, Amy, came to lay down next to me and asked me if everything was alright. I answered her by saying that yes, everything was alright and went back to sleep. A week later, SWAT was at our front door. You have been listening to another episode of the Ravers for Recovery podcast. I am Troy Wagner. I'm Eric Miller. 
And we are Ravers for Recovery. And if you listen to this, you are too. Go ahead and join the Facebook group, which is growing quickly. You'll find that with keyword Ravers for Recovery. Also, make sure to check out the website. A lot of cool info on there. That's at RaversForRecovery.org. Until next time, again, we are Ravers Ravers for for recovery. Recovery.